Welcome to On Balance. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger. I'll be your guide as we explore the stories of today with the personalities impacting tomorrow. Welcome to On Balance. Well, for those that have been following my travels, I did have an incredible trip uh, and conversations uh, galore with uh, very thoughtful people, leaders, innovators uh, in Stockholm and in the Nordics. And uh, I, I got the time, a chance to spend some time with Dora Palfa. She's a co-founder and CEO of Imagi. And we met at Sting, the Stockholm Innovation and Growth um, outfit there in, in the city center. And I was very impressed with Dora and what she's doing. And maybe it's because I have young kids. And so I thought Imagi was very uh, intuitive and creative and really sort of met kids where they are in understanding uh, the social element of STEM. Dora, it's nice to catch up with you. I know that you are, you're calling in from London. So you're just sort of this international CEO now. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me and having this conversation. So, so tell us, give us the 10,000 foot view of Imagi, what it is. Uh, and let's also talk about what it is not, because I think it's important for people to know with all the innovations out there, sort of how they can understand where the technology is, how it might fit for them and or support their STEM learning initiatives and objectives. Right. Um, awesome. So for a quick background, um, I myself worked as a developer and also as a UX designer and sort of experienced the lack of diversity in the industry, which was the initial starting point of Imagi. Um, so I really wanted to get more women into tech and I've been passionate about teaching. I've been working a lot with kids. And I also noticed as well as read research showing that at a very young age, girls are equally interested in computer science to boys. But uh, by the age of sort of 14, a chasm opens up and a really big part of girls lose this interest. So that's how my work began um, together with, with children, specifically with girls. And so where we are today is that we have a solution that introduces Python programming. So this is a script-based programming language in a way that is mixed together with art and self-expression. So it is extremely creative. And we also have a little gadget uh, called the Magic Charm, which makes the whole experience very tangible. So whatever kids create with code in our platform, they can actually bring it to life uh, with the Magic Charm. And then sort of the final component of our solution is that it is also social. So we have sort of community around uh, the coding. Kids can share their projects with each other. Uh, on the consumer side, we have a consumer app that's a global community of, of kids coding, which is currently 80% girls and non-binary, but there are also boys using it. And then on the educational side, uh, we have sort of private classroom communities so that teachers can collaborate with their own students. And um, I think also what <laughs> Imagi still is, is also a truly introductory uh, tool for teaching Python also for teachers, because based on my experience, that is another extremely important component that we empower teachers as much as we empower students. Well, I love that background. And, I, and I'm and i sure a lot of people are listening saying, wait a minute, I need to see what this looks like. <laughs> I need to understand how maybe we can utilize this. Talk about what are the ages that are sort of most appropriate for Imagi? Right. Yeah. So the primary age group is from around eight uh, up to 12 to 13. Of course, we always have parents reaching out who say their six-year-old are, six-year-olds are geniuses <laughs> and they're using it too. Well, you know how that is. I do. I do. Okay. So one, you touched on something I think it's incredibly important and I'm the father of an eight-year-old girl. So right sort of in the wheel well of what you're doing here. Um, 
let's take it from the personal perspective of you being a female entrepreneur in the ed tech space. What has that experience been like for you? You know, we see the, you know, countless stories about how female entrepreneurs are, do not have the same access to investor funds across the globe. Um, you know, it is still sort of an old boys network, as we might say in the United States. Tell me a little bit about your experience in maybe swimming upstream in a world that we would hope would be a little bit more balanced. Right. I mean, I do tend to say that I've never tried doing this exact same work uh, as a man, so I can't really see how that would be different. But uh, and also, I must say, I know that entrepreneurship is extremely challenging, no matter what. <laughs> um, but I do, of course, see the lack of funding going to female founders. And, you know, I have a lot of founder friends and be that in the Nordics, which is supposed to be like the most gender equal uh, part of the planet. Still, I think less than 2% of venture funding goes to teams that are all female founded and around, I think, maybe 7% to mixed teams. So that more than 90% goes to teams that only have male founders. So obviously there is reasons to believe that I'm at a disadvantage in this journey. Um, and so obviously fundraising has been a challenge. And I think here, uh, an interesting like <laughs> thought that I always uh, say is that that's also why we need more girls and women to learn coding, because if you are able to sort of like start building something, then you can actually start making tech enabled solutions for the problems that you have. And so that was a bit like that for, for us. So my co-founder, Beatrice, she's been my best friend from university since freshman year, and she studied electrical engineering. So, you know, she just started building the first version of our hardware and I had a background in, in UX and then we also had a strong network of coders. So we kind of just like, you know, without any funding started to build our MVP. And I think um, having that kind of STEM background really helped us achieve that. And I think if there were, you know, more women with these coding skills and a network of friends who, who are developers and who can build tech products, then more women could like get to a point where they have validated, have a proof of concept and can raise some financing. It's so disheartening to hear 2% in the Nordics. Right. And, and yet, like you said, the public perception is that the Nordics are much more balanced uh, and gender neutral in their investment. What's been the response? Let's first start with the Nordics and then maybe take it more worldwide to Imagi and, and your role as CEO. Mm, right. So, I mean, I think, again, also about the Nordics, there has been a lot of work done in the past you know, century and so to make it a gender equal place. And then came tech, which was this whole new industry that grew so quickly. And so it happened that there were mostly men <laughs> involved. And I think if you look at sort of like the startup ecosystem, the first wave of startups mostly had uh, male founders who then started to become angel investors, investing in companies, uh, mostly by founders who looked like themselves. And so it's like sort of this, uh, you know, uh, self-perpetuating <laughs> cycle. And, and to break that, there has to be a lot of consciousness around this, which now there is. So I think uh, you know, people started to measure, which I think is sort of the first step towards uh, solving the problem. But that's kind of the phase where we are at. So that the Nordics that we recognize that, oh, this is a problem. How do we go about this? And for example, having more women on the VC side could also contribute to that. So I would say, you know, there's this work being done in the Nordics. And then I think this is also true globally. Now there's more and more conversations and, and solutions sort of popping up. Um, and then uh, sort of the perception, I think, 
I also had a lot of other things going against me. So when we started, we were just coming out of school with my co-founder. And then we were like, you know, two young girls were like, we're going to build a hardware product. And I was like, why would you do that? How are you going to do that? And my co-founder, you know, traveled to China, set up our, our, our manufacturing, actually. So now we feel like we've overcome a couple of hurdles that people thought were going to be impossible. So you start to gain some credibility. And of course, you know, I, I understand, like, why would you trust someone who has never done this before that they will be able to do it? What have you learned about yourself in this process? I think that uh, entrepreneurs should be given an incredible amount of just credit for sort of not just sticking their toe in the water, but jumping in, <laughs> not knowing how the temperature of that water, how deep that water is. Uh, and I think it's incredibly inspiring for people when they when they hear of those that say, you know, sort of why not us? So what have you learned about yourself? Right. I mean, obviously, I was very naive, but I think that was very important because if I had known how hard it was going to be, I would have probably not dared. But I think, um, right, what I have learned, I think, obviously, it gives you a lot of confidence in the in. And not necessarily your abilities, but just your ability to overcome difficulties, <laughs> um, which has been a really big plus. And I think, um, yeah, I I have been surprised at how sort of calm I've I've been able to stay uh, and remain even if situations become challenging. And I think to that was like really important throughout this process to sort of be able to break down seemingly really big problems into just like small steps that you can actually take action on. Um, and so, yeah, that's something obviously I, I didn't have to do before. So I didn't know I was, didn't know I was capable of it. So I think a lot of schools and, and institutions of higher learning in universities are trying to crack the code, no pun intended on how to support, you know, up and coming entrepreneurs once they graduate from university, share a little bit about your university experience and sort of the items or the elements that you have utilized in your role as CEO and entrepreneur and those that you're surprised you're utilizing and maybe some gaps that you see that maybe we can help to fulfill uh, as we look it, into the future of entrepreneurship and the role education plays. Yes, excellent question. Obviously, I'm running an education company, so I do care deeply about education. Uh, my undergraduate studies I did at NYU Abu Dhabi, which is a liberal arts um, college. And so I did get to study lots of different things, which I think was extremely valuable. Even just the appreciation of sort of multidisciplinarity and also the ability to, you know, take ideas from different fields and mix them together. That is extremely useful and just the ability to, to learn quickly. I must say also when it comes to being a CEO, you have to be sort of resourceful and ask for help from a lot of people. And so having gone to a small liberal arts college, you know, when we first had to film a commercial for Imagi, I was like, ah, oh, I have a bunch of film major friends from college. I'm going to ask them. And so I think that was a really big value compared to how like European education is, um, that you kind of only know people from your own field. I think it has helped me a lot to have a, a wider network of, of people who do a bunch of different things. Um, so I think, yeah, uh, those have been extremely helpful. And obviously I met my co-founder at university as well. So I think the network part of it uh, has been really useful and, and also just like having a wider perspective as well as really, you know, all that college writing and speaking, like if you can't <laughs> communicate, then nothing is going to get done. Um, and so I actually started out as a neuroscience major. So I don't really use a lot of the <laughs> neuroscience knowledge in my work. Um, but I did, do use, you know, some of the technical things that I have I have learned. I do wish I had 
gain perhaps even more skills when it comes to like the actual technical components. Um, but overall, I'm definitely a generalist. And I think if you're a CEO founder, being a generalist is, is quite useful. So I think for me, this was the biggest uh, kind of uh, yeah, value of education. What about the, the challenges or the opportunities in hiring a team? I think that's something that goes, you know, sort of uh, under the radar that we don't talk about, but that can be an art and a skill in and of itself. Mm, wow. Yes. Uh, I'm not sure if I had cracked that, <laughs> but I think a challenge, right, is that everyone says you should hire from your network. You should hire people that have been referred to you, people that you know. And that's also what's leading to sort of like the lack of diversity among teams. So I think this is something I do reflect on a lot and, and find it quite challenging. How do you, um, yeah, how do you go about that? Well, I'm lucky to have a quite diverse network, so it's not necessarily a problem, but I do have, you know, close friends um, running other companies where if you don't have a diverse network from the beginning, then that's going to be a really big challenge. Uh, but I think overall, um, the biggest part for us is that we're running a very mission-driven company. So I think um, like the number one is sort of finding people who are really aligned with what you're trying to achieve, especially at this early stage is, is probably the most important. Um, and, you know, just like, so the attitude essentially and the general intelligence. And of course, for certain roles, you do need specific skills, but really at our stage, it has been a lot more about sort of the, the attitude, uh, the fit and, and really, um, yeah, being driven by the mission that we have. Let's talk about the growth so far of the company. So sort of where are we at now as you and I are having this conversation? Yes. So we launched uh, Imagi two years ago. We started with our Imagi Charm, the hardware uh, product um, that yeah, got out on the market uh, two years ago, a little more than two years ago, together with our consumer app. And uh, we started to sell it. We actually sell it on Amazon, most in the US. Um, and we have, you know, our app, of course, in the App Store. Uh, but then we started to get a lot more interest from educators, which is why uh, just a few months back now we launched our new platform for, for specifically for educators and in-school use, which is our primary focus now. Um, but what I can say, so on the consumer side, we have about 30,000 um, kids who have been coding with it or with us. <laughs> and then on the educator side, uh, now we have uh, worked with more than 100 sort of educational organizations, be that from schools to organizations such as Black Girls Code to Girl Scouts. So some of these just mean a single teacher. Some of these means like 30 instructors. So <laughs> the scale is a, a bit varying. And educators are also in 25 different countries um, that we have worked with. So we have a already sort of like global reach. Um, but yeah, obviously, <laughs> the majority of our, our potential lies ahead of us. And how do you understand success and measure success? I think that's such an interesting thing. Before, you know, when you sort of have an idea about a business, you think, well, this is how we'll know if we can just get to this level and pass this threshold. And then you sort of get into the business and the mechanics of it. And you might have a different relationship with success and how you measure that and even communicate about it. So one, how has that arc changed for you? And have you found that you're able to celebrate your success or as CEO and co-founder, is that a real struggle to be able to do it? Because you also know sort of where you want to go. Mm, interesting question. Right. Yes. When you're just starting out, it's really easy to sort of talk about <laughs> what this uh, magical solution, the product you're building is going to achieve. And then once you're like out there, yeah, how do we stay sort of 
motivated. And I think that's where it's really important that, again, that we're mission-driven. So our North Star has been sort of, are we impacting and changing, um, you know, girls' trajectory? Um, and so we have been, you know, receiving from the beginning sort of small, like, qualitative uh, reasons to believe that we're on the right track, like stories from parents, amazing feedback, great reviews on Amazon, on the App Store and all of that. And, and of course, like the most heartwarming is when, for example, a little girl comes into our office to pick up the Magitron that she purchased just because she tried it in a summer camp and she really wanted it. And she's been actually saving up her own money to buy it. So we're like, wow, we're really making a difference here. But then I would say, of course, also like measuring the number of, of kids that we reach within that. Is it girls and also non-binary uh, that find it interesting? Then recently we started to introduce sort of surveys. So uh, in, for example, workshop setting, what we've seen is four out of five um, children say that it actually described it as fun uh, when they are forced to learn coding with our tools. And then on the consumer app, uh, we have now introduced the, the ability to measure if someone's um, interest in technology has increased. And so this is very early into the measurement, but we see that for, for more than 10% of kids in less than one hour of using the app, they report an increase um, in interest in technology. And so, you know, here there's still a lot of space for improvement, but, but already this means, you know, thousands of kids who have just played with our app for a while, and then they reported that... Uh, they went from, I don't know if I'm interested in technology to, oh, I'm very interested in technology. So this is a potentially a really powerful uh, change that we can achieve. Uh, but uh, then again, like measuring success really comes down to, to following through with these and seeing whether our solution actually delivers results. Um, and of course, in the long run, like we want to have a measurable impact on, on the number of women entering the tech industry. So here we will have to do, you know, more work, more longitudinal uh, sort of studies. And, and this is for the future. But I think it's important that we already having these conversations with our team with like, once we reach this many people, we will start to introduce these type of measurements and sort of have a plan uh, or at least some ideas in place how in the future we can see if uh, we're having long term impact on our on our users. Well, I find you in person and now through the the uh, the beauty of a pixelated world like Zoom to have to be someone with incredible poise. Um, there's something about you that says that you're going to be here for a long time as an entrepreneur and a CEO. And I think that that's uh, I mean that in the best possible way. You get to meet so many entrepreneurs that we say it in the US, but like they play house, they sort of play like they're running a business. And then sort of the rubber meets the the road and it's a lot harder than you think. And I, and I get the sense that you have the metal, you have the makeup to be able to not only handle this, but to succeed uh, quite, I think, substantially. And uh, that that's a credit to you and what you've built and the team that you've put together. Where can people go to learn more about you and also Imagi? I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, so you can find us on imagilabs.com. Uh, that's our main website and also on all socials with the handle Imagilabs. Um, and if you just want to check out the Imagi term, as I mentioned, it's on Amazon as well. And in the app store, you just search for Imagi fun coding game. Well, I, I've seen it in person. I think it's really great when we were there at staying at the uh, Stockholm Innovation and Growth um, Incubator, uh, as it will. And, and I was incredibly impressed hearing you uh, when we chatted in person that day and, and even more after today's conversation. I, I would recommend everybody check out Dora and Imagilabs.com. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger. 
This concludes another chapter of On Balance. Connect with me via LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm Dr. Rod Berger.